wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes! 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 For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! I'm back, so deal with it. Let's do this! Finally, The Rock has come back! Live TV is awesome. And the spirit of Ultimate Warrior will run forever! Happy June, folks. I am Graham Houston Matthews, and this is WrestleRant Radio for June 2nd, 2015. Coming to you live on my birthday, 20 years young here today. And uh, thank you for all the well wishes through Facebook, Twitter, text, everything else. I very much appreciate it. And um, that's why there is no guest today because I couldn't schedule anything. I'm kind of busy today going different places and doing whatnot. So there is no guest here today. I will just be coming to you by myself talking about Raw, Elimination Chamber, the TNA, Ring of Honor news. I think by this point it is a little bit of old news. The news broke the day after WrestleRant Radio went live last week. So I was not able to discuss it in depth obviously. But I will be doing so here today in just a little bit. But yeah, 20 years old here today, it's it's crazy, and only for seven of those years have I been a wrestling fan, it's nuts. Uh, but I was thinking the other day, for each birthday that I've had since 08 when I got into wrestling, I've always had some sort of birthday gift that had to do with wrestling. Um, in 08, I think I got WrestleMania 20, no, no, that was 2008, so I had... Uh, I think I got a World Tag Team Championship belt, like one of those old Jack Specific belts, and I used to collect those all the time, those were great. The following year, I think I got WrestleMania 25 on DVD. In 2010, um, I don't know if I got anything wrestling related that year. I know I got like one of the UFC video games for Xbox, and uh, Xbox, and I know Brock Lesnar was in it. So wrestling, UFC, MMA, kind of count that as one, I guess. The following year, I got All Stars for the Wii. I got that the video game. <laughs> yes, I used to play the Wii. I just was not all that coordinated with Xbox, and I w- it wasn't mine anyways. My brother, so but it was a great game though. All Stars is an awesome game. 2012, can't recall off the top of my head. 2013, um, I got tickets to Raw. Last year, I got tickets to Raw, and this year I also got tickets not to a Raw show. There is no Raw in Connecticut in the near future. I'm already going to SummerSlam, which, by the way, wrote an article about that on Bleacher Report. Cheap plug. About seven matches we could see at SummerSlam in a couple months, which I cannot wait for. We're only 82 days away from that event. But yeah, this year I'm getting tickets. Hopefully, from what it looks like, I'm not getting my gifts until later. But to Legends of Wrestling this upcoming Sunday, live from City Field in New York City. It's going to be awesome. I'm looking forward to it. should be great. Um, Rick Flair is going to be there. Goldberg, Bret Hart, Mr. Anderson, Rob Van Dam, the Nasty Boys. I think Lita will be there. It's going to be a star-studded cast, and if I get tickets tonight, I'll let you guys know via Facebook and Twitter and whatever else. If you listen to this later on in the week, you'll probably already know, but um, I'm looking forward to that if I do indeed get tickets to that. But it has been a great week, though, for all wrestling fans. Elimination Chamber on Sunday night, which I did enjoy for the most part. That phenomenal matchup between John Cena and Kevin Owens. We have Raw last night, which was not great, but it did set the stage for Money in the Bank in a couple weeks, and... All these pay-per-views, you know, three weeks from now, two weeks from now, two weeks, you know, they're all so close together. It's not even that I want a break. I think I'm actually enjoying it because it's forced creative to kind of push their plans in motion a little bit more quickly. Um, so I, I think I'm kind of enjoying it the way it is right now. I'm not saying it should be like this all the time, but for right now, anyway, I'm, I'm loving it. 
But yeah, Elimination Chamber on Sunday night. A pretty good Raw on Monday. We had a great Stone Cold podcast with Paul Heyman on Monday night right after Raw on the WWE Network. And I'll probably be talking about that as well. Really enjoyed that. We'll kick things off here with the news that I mentioned before. Broke last Wednesday. Ring of Honor is Destination America bound. Took the entire wrestling world by surprise, myself included. I was dancing. I was doing a jig. This is awesome news. And this is coming from someone, and as I've mentioned in past, in past hashtag SGSM videos and right here on the show, Ring of Honor I was first exposed to. And I've known of Ring of Honor for a long time now, but... I first started watching Ring of Honor on a regular basis last summer when I had more time. And I was kind of planning on doing it this summer too if I, if, the, if I was allotted to, if the time allotted me to. But, um, you know, the last summer when I had more time, I was first exposed to it. I, I checked it out on a regular basis when new episodes went up. But it was a pain to catch the episodes. I had to go to all these different websites. I don't get whatever the uh, Sinclair Broadcasting, whatever the channel was, I don't get it in this area, so it's not easy to watch. So I had to go out of my way to watch the new episode days after it first aired over the weekend. I wouldn't watch it until like Thursday, maybe even the week after that. It was not good timing, um, so it was not very easily accessible. And I enjoyed the program. I thought there was a lot of great talent there. I highly praise Kevin Steen. A year later, the guy's beating John Cena clean on pay-per-view. So that really goes to show the stars that Ring of Honor is capable of making. But there's so much great talent over there. Matt Taven, Jay Lethal, AJ Styles, Kaz Daniels. So many great guys on that roster, both TNA Originals, former WWE guys, as well as ROH Originals that I did not know of before, like a Kevin Steen, who I hadn't really been exposed to his work before watching Ring of Honor. Anyway, so I watched it for the entire summer. Like I said, it kind of fell out of it by the fall because it was not easily accessible. I just did not have time to watch it. But the news broke this past week. They're heading to Destination America, a channel I do get. Not a lot of people do. Only like half the country does, I believe, or something like that. But I do, unfortunately. This is just me selfishly speaking here. So it's great. I am able to watch TNA Impact Wrestling on a weekly basis. If I can't watch it live, I do watch it like the next day or just find a website or something. But I can watch it over the summer because I will be home from college. And I don't get it at school, but I do get it here at home. So I'm looking forward to watching it. But it's going to be airing starting tomorrow. And if you're listening to this on the YouTube channel, I'll probably put this up as an excerpt. It's on tonight on Wednesday, or if you're listening to this on Tuesday night, tomorrow night, Wednesday night, on Destination America starting at 8 o'clock as the lead-in to TNA Impact Wrestling, which is also moving back to Wednesdays. And I'll be talking about a little bit about TNA in just a little bit and what this uh, news means for them. But for Ring of Honor, I think it is awesome. It's, re- it's awesome for them. It's awesome for the fans. It's awesome for the entire world of wrestling. And I've been saying it for the last couple of weeks, but it is quite the time to be a wrestling fan right now. WWE is firing at all cylinders for the most part. I'm not saying it's the new Attitude Era. You know, we're not sitting in an all-new era right now where it's as hot as the, the product is not as hot as it was 15, 20 years ago. But in comparison to recent years, I think right now wrestling is is pretty, you know, exciting. I wouldn't say hot, but it is exciting. With everything going on in WWE, the rise of crop of talent in NXT right now, Lucha Underground, which may or not may or may not be renewed for a second season, but I've talked about Lucha Underground in the past here on the show. I do not review it here on the show, but I do write reviews of it on nextairwrestling.net if you want to check that out, cheap plug. But that's an awesome program. If you're not already watching that, go out of, out of, out of your way to see it. Excuse me. Teen Impact Wrestling, while their financial side of things, the business side of things is poorly managed, and they're not doing very well right now in that aspect in terms of um, kind of being on the good side of publicity, I guess. Not not all publicity is good publicity. I mean, whatever. But uh, in TNA's case, that is that is not the case. 
But even still, the TV product of TNA has been pretty strong as of late since they moved to Destination America. And now Ring of Honor is finally accessible to a lot more people than it was before now on Destination America starting tomorrow night. So like I said, I'm looking forward to watching that. And from what I've read, it looks like it's a 25 or 26 week deal. So I guess if all goes well, then they can either sign a new contract or whatever. And just to clear up confusion or any speculation, this is not first-run programming. It is the same episode that airs over the weekend on Sinclair Broadcasting. It's not like they air one show over the weekend and another new show on Wednesday. It's the same episode. They just kind of hand it off to them as syndicated programming, pretty much. So they just pay them a certain amount of money. I guess it's a lot cheaper than what TNA, what they're paying TNA to be on their network and whatever. So, because TNA is sometimes live and they have to you know, pay them for all these tape shows and all the broadcasting, the production, whatever. I guess it's a lot cheaper. Um, it's a lot better exposure. It's a lot more exposure for Destination America, for, excuse me, for Ring of Honor. For, like I said, it's awesome. So, I think if you haven't watched Ring of Honor yet, if you're like someone like me who does not get Sinclair Broadcasting and you haven't had the chance to do that, definitely do so. Check it out on Wednesday night. I think it's going to be pretty cool. Hopefully, they uh, deliver a great show. So, I'm, I'm very much excited for that starting tomorrow. But, you know, with all the reports going around of what TNA's, what's happening with them right now and Destination America canceling them come September, there still has been no confirmation, and since the last time I did the show last week, as to what the future holds for TNA. You know, I read in the press release that, that both Ring of Honor and Destina- Destination America put out press releases in regards to the move to Destination America. Ring of Honor did not mention TNA once, which is not surprising. They do not like each other. They are rival companies, which is to be expected. But now they're kind of back-to-back on the same network, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, For TNA, uh, I mean, excuse me, for Destination America, there were a handful of TNA mentions in that press release. They were talking about how it could be, you know, a successful lead-in to TNA with Ring of Honor at 8, TNA at 9. So it looks like, well, obviously, regardless of whether getting canceled or not, at this point, it does not look good for TNA. There's been no further confirmation as to what the future holds. The same thing happened last year with Spike TV, so I'm not all that optimistic as to what you know the future holds for TNA. Hopefully, it's something good. Like I said, I want to see them succeed. I'm a fan of wrestling. I'm a fan of TNA. I want to see them thrive. So that said, it does not look like, you know, for the time being anyway, they will be on Wednesday nights. For the time being... Um, they, they will be on the air. So if they're getting canceled, it does not mean like this week's episode is done. Um, that means their contract, when it expires, they have that out clause in September, from what I've heard, they can cancel it then. So TNA has up until September. If all of this is true, if all the speculation and reporting from Dave Meltzer and others in the wrestling world is to be believed, then TNA has until September to find a new home or do whatever to make it work. But in the meantime, though, they're going to be airing on Wednesday nights throughout the summer as the lead-in, or you know, as the follow-up to Ring of Honor. So I think that's awesome. Uh, but you know, all the I don't want to poop on TNA. I think I went on a huge rant. Uh, I, I think I went on enough of a rant on TNA last week. If you want to check that out, the excerpt is up here, uh, is on the YouTube channel. You can check out the full show from last week here on NextAirWrestling.net. But um, in TNA's case, I mean, like I said, I want to defend them. Um, you know, Dixie Carter has not, I guess there was a press conference or a conference call, excuse me, that last Wednesday, nothing new was said. I mean, I guess it was around 90 minutes. Some employees, you know, voiced their frustrations and rightfully so because they're in the dark. And it was funny too. I think the most, the, the most exciting part of that Wednesday when the news broke last week, when it was announced that ring of honor was going to destination America, uh, the reactions from some TNA employees. Like I said, I don't. I'm not one of those people. I'm not one of those stooges that wants to see TNA die 
or see them get canceled or whatever. But the reactions from some of the teenage employees, it's not hilarious the teenage going out of business or, you know, potentially going out of business. What's hilarious to me is that Dixie Carter is not telling any of her employees anything. You know, James Storm did an interview earlier on Wednesday or late Tuesday, whatever it was, saying that he was informed that everything's going to be okay. There's nothing to worry about. A day later, news breaks that Ring of Honor is heading to Destination America to potentially replace TNA. And then he put out some tweets saying, and then there is that Bobby Roode <laughs> tweeted something like, oh no, you, you know, and then uh, MVP went on a huge rant about it on Twitter and then on his YouTube channel. And it does not look good. I mean, some TNA employees, I'm not stereotyping everyone, including everyone in this accusation here. Austin Aries, I know, is one guy. MVP is another. And a few other people as well are blaming the wrestling journalists. They're blaming the dirt sheet writers, quote-unquote. And all these other guys. I mean, if enough sources... I mean, Dave Meltzer is not out to get TNA. I think that's well-established. Some people believe that. Some of the diehard TNA fans believe that. I love TNA. I've been watching it for seven years. But you got to just see the writing on the wall here. He's not out to you know to um, to put down TNA or want to see them go out of business. It's less business for him. But whatever, people can believe what they want to believe. But the TNA stories about them, you know, blaming the journalists, then then blaming Destination America, and you know, playing the the blame game pretty much with whoever's spreading the news. It's not, I mean, it's just their job, you know, coming from a, fest, a fellow wrestling journalist. I mean, I don't put myself in the same, at all, in the same category that uh, a Dave Meltzer or, a, you know, a Mike Johnson, a PW Insider, and those other guys. I'm just a columnist for the most part. I am not the same reporter that those guys are. But nevertheless, I think they have to stop, TNA that is, they have to stop blaming the people that are spreading the news because likely they are not lies. They, they, are, they are being said for a reason. Um, and the whole file a lawsuit, we will pursue legal action if this continues. All this other bullshit from TNA is ridiculous. It's not helping them at all. You know, it's not making the employees look good. It's not their fault, but it's not, you know, reflecting well on them. When I say employees, I'm talking about the wrestlers, the talent roster, and it should reflect poorly on Dixie Carter because she's not not really letting anyone in on what's going on here and what their future holds. And these people better start booking some indie dates because they don't even have any live events scheduled for the most part in the next couple of months or through the rest of the year. But they just need to look in the mirror and realize that the problem are themselves, specifically Dixie Carter and management. They can't, you know, keep on blaming people. You know, they said this, they're doing that. Destination America is not helping us. All this other stupid stuff. And, you know, I, I kind of criticized Destination America last week for canceling TNA. It has not been long enough for them to really know for sure. I mean, I guess in this case, the ratings thing is one thing. I was kind of getting hot about that last week. But if they're paying TNA a hell of a lot more than they are Ring of Honor for their for their shows and for their production and whatnot, then I would invest in Ring of Honor. You know, I think I don't know if it would draw higher ratings. I don't think so. I think TNA is more well-established. But even still, I think with in, in TNA's case... Um, if they don't need to keep them around, if they're going to be saving money otherwise by getting rid of them, you know, I I can see that argument then. TNA, with all the complaints of them, you know, having too much creative control, they need to realize this is a, this is the channel that saved their ass last year. Th- these guys were as good as gone, TNA, because Spike TV did not want them. They cut them loose. They did everything they possibly could to help save them. They kept them around for almost 10 years. And, you know, again, I've criticized Spike TV in the past, but you got to give it to them. They kept TNA around for as long as they did. It's It wasn't TNA sticking around with Spike. It was Spike keeping TNA afloat. It was not vice versa. 
this is the same channel, Destination America, that you know that that saved TNA last year. So they should be appreciative of that, and not you know Dixie Carter calling them buffoons or clowns or just bad mouthing them or whatever she said. She put out. I don't know if it's that hasn't been made public. I just know from what I've heard that she um, said something about one of the representatives, and then like a clown. Um, CC'd them in the email, like included them in the email, and it got sent to them by accident, and they saw it. So there's not a lot of uh, um, not a lot of love between those two sides right now. Needless to say, but they need to stop with this with the stupid bullshit about blaming Destination America. Like I said, they just need to look at themselves in the mirror and realize that the problem are themselves. And again, I'm not I'm not saying this to trash TNA. Quite the contrary. I love TNA. I've said that before. I'm not going to go on a huge rant about what shows I've been to. And like I said last time, how I was at the debut show on, on Destination America earlier this year. Back in um, on January 7th, New York City, Manhattan Center. One of the best wrestling shows I've ever, ever been to. Uh, an exciting, monumental night. You know, so I love TNA. I'm not trying. I'm not saying this to put them down. I'm saying this as a... Um, as a criticism and more so as a concern because I really want to see them stay afloat. But and we'll have more on that as it becomes available. Those are only what I've heard in the last um, in the last week or so since I did last week's episode. But still, though, I feel like um, in the meantime, until they do potentially get canceled, I think um, everything that's happening right now with Ring of Honor and then following them up Wednesday nights are going to be freaking awesome if you really look at. It. I mean, eight o'clock you have. Three wrestling shows on at the same time. I mean, I know people are calling the wrestling or the Wednesday night wars. There really aren't many wars because it's not like one wrestling show is airing on a well-known program or well-known network, and then the other one is airing on another well-known network. You know, like back in the '90s with Raw and Nitro. One's on the network NXT, and it's also an on-demand. Lucha Underground's on El Rey, a channel that most people just do not get. And then uh, Ring of Honor is on Destination America, another channel that most people just don't get. And then TNA is on at 9, and everyone else is pretty much done by that point. So, But, you know, regardless of whatever way you look at it, whatever way you look at it, Wednesday nights are the new wrestling night uh, of the week for wrestling. I think it's awesome. For a night that never really hosted much wrestling before. I know there was main event on Wednesdays for a while. NXT moved to Wednesdays. Uh, they were also on Wednesdays a couple years ago. And they were also on Thursdays, you know, back when it was on Hulu Plus, whatever. And then, but other than that, though, wrestling or Wednesdays was not a very popular night for wrestling. And I think the move to Wednesdays for TNA is great because I'm not talking rating wise and stuff like that. Just me personally, just to sit home or do whatever at nine o'clock because I don't like to watch the next day. It's taking an hour and a half out of my day. It might be easier because I'm watching with commercials on Friday, so I'm sitting down for two hours on Friday as opposed to an hour and a half on Saturday. But Saturdays I feel like are more busier, busier, uh, are busier days for me anyway than Fridays. So I can I can watch it on a Friday than as opposed to hold off on watching until the next day. But whatever. You know, Fridays are, have never been a great night for wrestling. I would sit home and watch SmackDown from time to time years ago, but it just got to be too much. And to the point where SmackDown was not really worth watching, I would still watch it to review it from my website, and I enjoy it from time to time. But um, you know, if I didn't enjoy it, I wouldn't be watching it. That's the bottom line. I mean, I watch Superstars. I just love fucking wrestling. You know, I watch Main Event. I watch Superstars, Raw, Impact, uh, Lucha Underground, and Ring of Honor as well. So I watched SmackDown, and eventually they moved to Thursdays, which I think is for the better as well. Friday nights at 9 o'clock was not a great time slot at all, so it's going to help them rating-wise, hopefully. And also on Wednesday nights, I thought that was kind of a, a great night for them when they moved there back last year, I want to say, 
um, in the summer, like a, for a month or two before they kind of went in the dark on Spike TV. So if that, you know, with, with them moving to Wednesdays, Ring of Honor, and now NXT and Lucha Underground, there's a lot of wrestling to choose from, and they're all pretty much great. Like I said, TNA, while the financial, while the finances and the business side of things well, may not be fantastic right now, I think from a creative standpoint, it's been pretty awesome for them. In my opinion, I mean, I'm not just saying this as a TNA fan, but I feel like the TNA TV product is as good as it has been in years. I think last year. No, it was good for the summer, but everything before that was downright terrible. And then 2013 was not a good year for them. 2012 was pretty good when they moved to Thursdays. They were live. They had a lot of great things going, and then this somehow the momentum just kind of died off. But I think you know the TV product for TNA has been pretty good. Ring of Honor, like I said, I have not been watching on a regular basis since last year. But with them moving to Destination America, I'm hoping to watch it now. Um, I don't know if I'll watch the first run airing on at 8 o'clock. I might just watch it later that night or the next day. Lucha Underground, I never watch live. I don't have the channel, so I just wait until Wednesday, late Wednesday night or Thursday to watch and review it. And then NXT, I might just probably watch NXT if I can't watch Ring of Honor. I think NXT is easier to me for watch, to watch because I can watch it on my phone, I can watch it on my laptop, I can watch it on whatever because it's on the network and you can also watch it on on demand. You don't have to watch the first run airing of it. Um, but still, I'll probably be watching that at 8 before I watch Impact and 9. But there's a lot of great things going on in the world of wrestling in regards to TNA, they're, you know, the TV side of it anyway, Ring of Honor, NXT, Lucha Underground, Raw, NX, you know, everything pretty much that's going on right now. I think it's great. So I'm looking forward to it. But uh, yeah, those are my two cents uh, on the whole Ring of Honor TNA deal. And I'm looking forward to tomorrow, June 3rd, for the debut of Ring of Honor, my first Ring of Honor show in about a year or so, about nine or ten months. And I'm looking forward to a great show from them. So moving into the Elimination Chamber review from Sunday Night Live on the WWE Network. Did I think it was a great show? No, I would call it a very good show, and I enjoyed it thoroughly. You know, enjoying an event and calling it great are two very different things. I mean, they're both subjective, obviously. But, you know, I said the same thing with the Extreme Rules show. I wouldn't call that an amazing show from a couple months ago. The Payback pay-per-view I thought was great. Extreme Rules, I didn't think was great. I was entertained by it. I enjoyed it, but I wouldn't call it, like, amazing. I would say the same thing for Elimination Chamber. I would probably would say it's better. It's just that there were so many good thing, like really, really good things about that pay-per-view or special, whatever you want to call it technically was not on pay-per-view about Elimination Chamber I'm talking about here. There were a lot, a lot of great things on that show. Then there were a lot of terrible things too. Not terrible, but just borderline bad. Um, You know, from Cena and Owens, which I'll praise in a second, which was now has become my favorite match of 2015 so far in any wrestling promotion, specifically WWE. Other than maybe NXT, you know, maybe even including NXT and maybe Lucha Underground. There's a lot of just phenomenal matches going on there every single week. Um, but WWE-wise, it's probably my new favorite match of the year, so far anyway. And the main event I thought was great, too. For the WWE World Heavyweight title between Ambrose and Rollins, the two chamber matches I just didn't think were that good. I thought the tag team won. It started out slow. It was really weird, and I tweeted this out, too, that it felt like I was watching it in slow motion. Like, Kalisto was on top of the chamber for, like, 10 minutes, and the guy kept on getting, um, he kept on getting getting uh, captured by the New Day inside their pod, and there were three of them there, which didn't make any sense. I get it. It's creative, but technically, via the, the Freebird rule, the Freebird rule allows two people of any three-person, you know, how many-person group it is, 
to defend the titles. That doesn't mean that all the people in the group have to be involved in the championship matchup. That's rarely ever the case. So I thought that was kind of dumb. Um, and then not not as bad as El Torito being in the chamber. I thought that was just absolutely stupid, absolutely asinine. And thankfully they were the first team gone, Los Matadors, but the fact El Torito was in there at all, it just doesn't make any sense. And I think it might have been, I don't know who it was, Booker T or Michael Cole, somebody was questioning. I think oh, JBL was questioning, why is El Torito in there? Michael Cole, Michael Cole said on commentary, because he's a mascot. And he said, well, can I bring in like a, a full life, you know, a full-sized human being as my mascot? And he said, I guess. Like even the commentators don't know the rules of these things, you know? But it was not as bad as the Intercontinental title chamber match. I did not think that was good at all. Probably the worst chamber match of all time. I know that's kind of a bold statement, but when you think of all the past chamber matches, all of them have been good to great to awesome. Even if you didn't like the result, the chamber matches themselves since its inception back in 02 have been excellent. You know, and I think this one, the execution was terrible. The crowd was terrible all night too, but I just, I'm not that surprised because one, Corpus Christi is never, Corpus Christi, Texas is never an amazing crowd to begin with. And then two, it was not supposed to be a pay-per-view at all. You know, originally as of a a few weeks ago, that pay-per-view, that show was supposed to be a live event, a house show. So they had a house show crowd. You can absolutely tell. So I don't really blame them that much. They just were not a great crowd for the night. I mean, they came alive at some spots, but for the most part, they were just not um, an electric environment whatsoever. But they did that match no favors. And rightfully so. I don't really fully blame them. Just that match for the IC title was all sorts of clunky. You know, I don't want to go through a full review of the pay-per-view, like match by match by match. I think it just might be boring, so I'm just going to give my sporadic uh, thoughts on this show, you know, here, and I'll probably start with this matchup. Just the Intercontinental title chamber match, I just thought was, there were just so many things wrong with it. I just didn't enjoy it. There were just so many head-scratching WTF moments, including Barrett being the first one eliminated, whose usage I just have no idea what they're doing with him right now. I don't want to go on a 10-minute rant about this, but... You know, Barrett, for a guy that had all the tools, who has all the tools to become a huge star in WWE, a future world champion if they book them properly, I will just never understand why they continue to waste this guy and book them the way they do. Every single time it looks like he has a great thing going, they just sweep the rug from underneath him. You know, whether it's the Nexus thing or whether it's the Barrett Barrage. I know he's gotten injured a couple of times over the last couple of years. That's not WWE's fault. But what is WWE's fault is having him lose to R-Truth, having him lose to all these jokes, having him lose non-title matches while Intercontinental Champion, having him win King of the Ring and then losing matches to R-Truth. He lost to R-Truth on SmackDown cleanly. And then he lost to him. He got eliminated by him inside the chamber. So why should I take this guy seriously as a threat to any championship at all? He was the first guy taken out in this matchup. So it was ridiculous. For a guy that I think can be a very valuable asset to the WWE, the fact that they continue to underutilize him like this is just painful to watch. I mean, the guy's been in WWE. It was, I think, five years ago yesterday, June 1st. The guy won the first season of NXT. Five years later, they're not. he's pretty much in the same spot. In the best, the, the peak of his career, needless to say, was the whole Nexus thing, which made its debut five years ago from this upcoming Sunday. And then after that, although he's had some start and stop pushes, he was just never on a roll for a, an elongated period of time to the point where he could be taken seriously. So, I mean, it's just ridiculous. So I thought his burial, you know, so to speak, I hate using that word, but I think 
it is the proper term to use when it comes to the usage of King Barrett, Bad News Barrett, Wade Barrett, whatever the hell you want to call him. Um, it's absolutely applicable in this case. That was one thing. Mark Henry coming up being the replacement, I did not really mind that much. I mean, it could have been Big Show. We got Big Show the next night on Raw anyway. But, you know, it could have been worse, I guess. I mean, I would have liked if it was Bray Wyatt, but I guess they really have no plans of putting any championship on him at any point in the near future, unfortunately. Um, and even if he was in there and he got eliminated, I, I would have been sick to my stomach if they put him in this matchup. Um, you know, in retrospect, considering how bad it was, it would not have made him look good, especially coming off the loss to Ryback. Or, you know, not he actually coming off the win against Ryback at, at Payback, which is funny. You know, people have tweeted that out saying Bray Wyatt, you know, beat Ryback at Payback only for Ryback to win a championship at uh, the next pay-per-view. And that goes back to last year, too. Remember, Bray Wyatt was the one who beat Daniel Bryan Clean one two three in the middle of the ring back at Royal Rumble 2014. Two months later, Daniel Bryan wins the main event of WrestleMania and wins the championship. And then, um, then with Bray Wyatt, he lost to John Cena that night, and they never did that rematch. And I'm hoping we get that match at some point. We did get it on an episode of Raw a couple months ago, but other than that, that we have not had a full fledged feud between them. And I've talked about this before with RJ on WrestleRant Radio here on the show that a feud between those guys, and I hate to get off topic, but I think a feud between Wyatt and Brian in uh, in 2015 or next year, whenever Brian's back, because it has been confirmed he will be back, he said that on the kickoff show in that Miz TV segment, um, I think I might have booked that, I made like a WrestleMania 32 dream card, I might have booked that, I might have taken it away, I'm not really sure now, I think I did, for the Intercontinental Championship, because Brian, again, never lost the, the Intercontinental Championship, much like he did the World Championship, whatever, so when he comes back, he'll obviously be in the, uh, he'll be in the IC title picture, so I'm looking forward to it, and I'm very excited to uh, see him back in the ring at some point. But anyway, I feel like in his absence, Bray Wyatt can either beat Ryback for that championship, because again, Wyatt has a win over Ryback, so hopefully they can do that feud. I don't want to see him lose the title the next pay-per-view. It looks like they're going through the direction of Ryback versus Big Show at the next pay-per-view, which is okay. Anything involving Big Show, I'm not going to be excited for, but at least it's something new. It's not Big Show versus Sheamus, or Big Show versus Randy Orton, or Big Show versus John Cena, God forbid, for the millionth time. At least it's something new, so I can appreciate that. But yeah, I think Bray Wyatt versus Daniel Bryan, because the first time around, the feud was all about Bryan joining the Wyatt family. It was not about you know, a full-on feud. It wasn't like for until like a week before the Royal Rumble that they really started feuding. Brian broke away from the Wyatt family in mid-January 2014. And then they did the match between the two two weeks later at the pay-per-view, and that's where it got blown off. So I feel like if they were going to rekindle that rivalry, they can do it over the Intercontinental Championship. And Brian, mind you, has never beaten Bray Wyatt in a one-on-one matchup. Maybe once or twice via DQ or something like that. But other than that, though, he's never beaten Bray Wyatt via pinfall. So that's a great story to tell. I'm a sucker for those kind of stories. And I feel like if they give the belt to Bray Wyatt at some point between now and WrestleMania... And, you know, I'm one of those people that always says I feel like Bray Wyatt is not a guy who needs a championship, but I feel like he deserves it. For all the stuff he's done in the last two years, including his NXT stuff and whatever else, the guy's a great talent. They're obviously not doing, they don't have any plans for him right now. I have no idea what he's going to do at the next pay-per-view. He just lost to Roman Reigns on Monday. Um, He wasn't even at Elimination Chamber, so I have no idea what's next for him. You know, but for a guy that really has no direction right now, I feel like giving him that championship and putting Daniel Bryan in chase mode in time for WrestleMania 
would be awesome. I felt like that's the direction they were going to go when I tweeted it out too, in that Wyatt could have been the mystery opponent. And if that, and if he did was, you know, entered into that matchup and he did win the championship, it would have given away the plans that Rusev was going to be winning that championship. I don't think because Rusev was out of the match, I don't even think he was going to win to begin with. I don't, unless, you know, I, I'm not really sure, but I feel like that was not the plan. I feel like either Ryback or Sheamus, they were going to go um, back between with, you know, they went back and forth between those guys. And I was very happy to see Ryback win. But anyway, Bray Wyatt is a guy I could feel like if he had won that championship on Sunday, Daniel Bryan could have reluctantly presented him with that title and then kind of maybe attack. I don't think he could have attacked Bryan considering he's not in the best of state of health right now. But at any point, at any stage, though, I feel like um, you know going forward when Bryan comes back and there was no timetable given for his return, it could be in a couple months. It could be next year. We really have no idea. He will be back, though, according to what he said on the kickoff show, which is great to hear. But anyway... Um, as I said, an intercontinental title feud between those guys in time for WrestleMania next April would be awesome. I feel like that would be uh, something for Wyatt to do. And there's not many feuds for Wyatt left. I mean, I pitched this in a Reach and Bleach Report article. A feud with him and Orton, I feel like is great, but I, I feel like they could do that at, at SummerSlam and not WrestleMania. Maybe at WrestleMania, but what do you do with the guy in the meantime? Having him flounder and cut random promos and then lose to Roman Reigns and Raw, uh, lose to Roman Reigns and Raw and all this other stuff is not going to do the guy any favors whatsoever. So I'm not a fan of that, but it is what it is. But like I said, looking forward to that, hopefully if it does come to fruition. But going back to what I was saying before, though, the Intercontinental Title Chamber match, I thought was great. I mean, it was not great. It was the actual opposite of great. Owens and Cena was great. The IC Title Chamber match um, was a huge disappointment, just a massive cluster from Barrett being eliminated to the replacement of Rusev being Mark Henry to... His pod being broken open early. I don't know if that was a botch or not. Sheamus being inside his pod for longer than he should have. It just came off as so awkward. The people didn't care. The IC title, which I completely forgot about, was never really built up to mean anything going into the show. It was basically just six guys. Hey, we didn't earn this opportunity at all. We'll just be thrown in here and and go for the championship. Whatever. But anyway, down the stretch, though, I enjoyed the final few minutes. And I loved Ryback winning. That was the only... The saving grace of this matchup, the sole saving grace, I really can't say any other positive things about the match. But Ryback winning, I thought, was great. I mean, it's a well-deserved victory. He's been with WWE for over five years at this point. And this is only counting his time as, as Skip Sheffield. I'm not accounting for the past ten years he's been with the company. When he was on Tough Enough and he got fired and he came back, blah, 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 blah. I'm only talking about his most recent main roster stint. Or only three years, if you go back to when he came back as Ryback, back in early 2012. But he's been so long overdue for championship gold, along with, you know, Bray Wyatt is another guy who comes to mind. But Ryback is a guy who should have gotten a championship the first time around when he was a babyface a couple years ago when he was so massively over. I'm not saying they should have given him given him the world championship, but having him gradually ascend the card instead of him instead of thrusting him immediately right into the main title WWE championship picture um, would have benefited him. I think he deserved it, but you know, for a guy who had not won any championship gold for the years and years and years that he's been here, it was an awesome moment. Very happy to see it. And the fact that I was not expecting it either, because I think Sheamus was the odds-on favorite to win this thing. Um, I was betting on him. A lot of people were betting on this guy to win this matchup. Thankfully, I mean, I'm not, you know, not thankfully. I think Sheamus is a great talent, and he could have been a good Intercontinental Champion, but at least Ryback was a pleasant surprise. He deserves it more. Sheamus is IC Champion. I don't think would have lit the world on fire. And he could still win that championship, too. You know, I think if they do Ryback versus Sheamus at the next pay-per-view, or, you know, maybe not the next pay-per-view. Like I said, I think they're going to be doing Ryback versus Big Show at Money in the Bank. But Ryback versus Sheamus in time for SummerSlam would surely be a great matchup. So I would love to see something like that. 
But yeah, I think the moment of him winning the title was great. A lot of people were not expecting it. I saw a lot more positive praise than I did negative praise that the guy won the title. Not much at all, honestly. I did not, I did not see many people um, crapping on the idea of seeing of of Ryback being Intercontinental Champion. Kind of reminds me of a of a warrior type of thing. Not exactly, but something like that. I'm not saying the he's going to become the next WWE Champion, but for all the hard work that he's put in over the last number of years, including the last you know seven to eight months alone since he's come back to the company. And he really turned his career around as a babyface once again. And a lot of people were just not going to take him seriously anymore after the bad booking that he suffered from 2013 to 2014. It's commendable. The guy was able to suffer a career resurgence and then come back from that and just get over in the eyes of the fans again, which is awesome. And then finally win his first singles title, his first major championship of any kind in WWE. So a well-deserved victory for the big guy. And I'm looking forward to seeing what's next for him as Intercontinental Champion, beyond this feud with the Big Show, of course. So moving right along here to my favorite match of the night, probably my favorite match of 2015 up to this point, John Cena versus Kevin Owens. And what more can be said about this matchup? If you already watched it on Sunday at Elimination Chamber on the WWE Network, then you already know where I'm going with this. If you have not seen the matchup, shame on you. Go sign up for the network. I believe it's free again for the third consecutive month in the month of June. Go watch this match. There's a reason why it's my new favorite match of 2015. I loved it. I thought these guys were going to have a good match. And like I said in my Bleacher Report preview of the event, that I figured they would have a good match, but not too, too great, because I figured they would have more encounters in the next few pay-per-views, in which it's already been confirmed that rematch is set in stone for the Money in the Bank pay-per-view in less than two weeks. So I figured the match was going to be okay. Not as great as it ended up being. I figured, you know, they had the potential to be amazing, but not as good as we ended up seeing on this show. And the constant counters, John Cena, and I'll get to the, I'll, I'll go to the defense of John Cena in just a couple minutes, but Kevin Owens is an absolute star. I mean, that was obvious from the moments, you know, from any, at any point you saw him on the indie scene, but the moment they showed his first vignette for NXT, the moment he arrived at NXT, our evolution back in December, the moment he won the NXT Championship back in February, the moment he arrived on Monday Night Raw to confront John Cena on the May 18th edition, and every single one of these moments has made Kevin Owens who he is now, the star that he is today. And I love everything about the guy. I think the guy is a full package. He's great in the ring as shown in this matchup. He's an even he's an even better talker. He's a character that we have not seen before. He's not the next so-and-so. He's not the, the next Brock Lesnar. He is the first Kevin Owens, and that's what I like so much about him. But anyway, going back to the matchup, though, I thought it was terrific. Like I said, the back-and-forth action, the momentum constantly sh- uh, shifting between the two competitors. Kevin Owens, I think more so than anything else, uh, above all in this matchup, the fact that he pulled out some maneuvers that not even I had seen before, even longtime viewers of NXT who already knew, you know, long-term viewers of his uh, of his from the indie scene that already knew how big of a star this guy was, impressed people here. I mean, there were some moves here that you probably would have seen on some ROH show a couple years ago, but as long as he's been in NXT for, we haven't seen many of these moves that he pulled out here. He did a moonsault, he almost teased the package pile driver, which was pretty freaking awesome. I think we almost marked out for that when that happened. So we had those two moments, he had an attitude adjustment, it was great. The guy, um, he did also a swanton bomb and uh, so many aerial maneuvers that you would never see coming from a guy like Kevin Owens that you wouldn't think would come from a guy like Kevin Owens and ended up pulling him out of his arsenal and just, impro- and just impressing and amazing everyone watching this matchup. So after hitting one pop-up power bomb and John Cena kicking out of it, of course, Cena hitting the attitude adjustment earlier on, Owens kicking out, 
And then after Cena was going for, I mean, he got hit with everything that Owens had to that Owens had to offer. And then Cena going for another attitude adjustment. Owens pushing him off into the rope, throwing him back up in the air into a beautiful pop-up powerbomb. And I fall more in love with that move every single time I see it. I think it's a great move. And um, I was not sold on it initially. I know there were, there were some complaints from people that said it's not that realistic of a maneuver. You know, the opponent has to jump. He has to work with them, whatever. I love it. I think the execution of it is great. Can he do it on everybody? No, he can't do it on a, like a... I don't know, a Big Show or a Mark Henry, I would assume, but on a guy like a John Cena or anyone else, like 90% of the roster, he's probably going to be able to do it. So that's what I like about the move. So he hits the second one of the matchup, and he pins John Cena clean, one, two, three, right in the middle of the ring, no excuses, Cena has no out for losing, there is literally no excuse that you can be made that that can be made here as to why um, John Cena lose, other that, uh, as to why John Cena lost other than Owens being superior to him. You know, some people will say, I know there's been some complaints of, oh, John Cena rolled out of the ring too quickly, he ran up the ramp. Who gives a shit? I mean, people are just looking for things to complain about. There's some people that just notice that, they're not complaining about it, which is fine. But there's also those people that are like, oh, he didn't sell the pop-up powerbomb long enough. Who cares? Who cares? Kevin Owens, in his first WWE matchup, as a part of the Raw roster as a part of the main roster, just beat the top dog in the company clean. Cena didn't have an injury. He didn't cheat. He didn't beat him via DQ or count. The guy just beat him clean. And I said this on Twitter the day after, but there aren't really many people that can be included in the conversation of better debuts in WWE history. Some people brought his name up, but the only other people that can come to, that come to mind are The Shield. Seth Rollins specifically, going from... NXT champion to tag team champion is the entire shield run was perfectly booked there was not one wrong thing about that and maybe Roman Reigns and Dean Ambrose all kind of went um you know awry after that I mean you know not really I mean you know but still Reigns being pushed too hard or Ambrose being de-pushed to the undercard whatever Seth Rollins was more so pushed was booked a little bit better than those other guys but still, I feel like those, aside from them, there really are not. There really have not been many other people that have had as great of a debut, a great first few months as Kevin Owens. And this is not just talking about his main roster run. No, we're going back to his NXT stuff six months ago. And again, this is six months ago. Maybe he'll be ruined. Maybe he'll be jobbing to Adam Rose at this time next year. I doubt it. I think Triple H and especially Vince know better than that. But. I think so far, so great with Kevin Owens. Not so far, so good. So far, so freaking great. Because the way they've been treating this guy as an absolute star. Usually I reserve that word for Finn Balor. But I think it deserves, you know, Owens deserves that term as well. Because he solidified himself as one on this show. If he already didn't, if he didn't already do so a couple weeks earlier when he arrived on Raw and laid out John Cena. I thought the match was great. The in-ring chemistry was there. And in front of a crowd that you know, was relatively quiet for most of the night. Like I said, cannot put full blame on them with it being a house show crowd originally. I thought everything, every single part of this matchup I absolutely loved. I was sitting on the edge of my seat throughout. I was so, in, I was such in suspense throughout this contest, throughout everything that both guys were throwing at one another. And it almost made me feel like we should have seen this at WrestleMania. You know, I feel like there's so many other great matches we've seen this year. I loved Randy Orton versus Seth Rollins, the triple threat at the Royal Rumble between Lesnar, Rollins, and Cena. This one, I think, takes the cake by far. You know, just the build, the idea of seeing Cena Owens. I know I was not the first one to say it, but 
you know, the moment after Owens took the NXT Championship from Sami Zayn back in February, I tweeted, this guy is awesome. That WrestleMania 32, Owens versus Cena, hashtag book it. Again, dream booking scenario. I didn't think we would see it then. I thought Owens would arrive on the on the roster later than that. And obviously he arrived a lot sooner than anyone ever expected him to. So the booking of him so far has been above average, has been exceptional. And, you know, one can only hope that they continue to book this guy perfectly. Love the matchup, love the result even more. Just the idea of Kevin Owens beating John Cena clean 1-2-3 is awesome. And like I said before, like I was saying before, in defense of John Cena, Owens did not carry John Cena. I hate the argument. It's such bullshit that John Cena isn't a good wrestler. He can't wrestle. You know, he put that crap to rest years ago. I can list off countless matches where this guy has superseded, and it's not just because his opponent carried him, or it's because his opponent was great. Um, you know, his matches with Randy Orton, Batista, Rob Van Dam, CM Punk, Daniel Bryan, Edge, Shawn Michaels, most of his matches with Triple H, um, some matches with Bray Wyatt, not all of them, the most recent match with Rusev at Payback, all of these exceptional matches from John Cena. So the argument that his opponent was carrying him the entire time is absolute bullshit. Don't even want to hear that. John Cena did the favors for Kevin Owens, and I couldn't be happier. I thought it was awesome. So kudos to Kevin Owens for his first huge win in WWE. His first win at all in, on the WWE, and it's against John Cena in clean fashion. I never thought I would see the day. And I pointed this out on Twitter on Monday, but there aren't really that many people you can include in that conversation of people that have beaten John Cena clean. You know, most of them have been babyfaces. I'm not talking about before he became a star. I'm talking about since, in the last 10 years pretty much, since he became, you know, the top guy in the company. Since, you know, since 2005 pretty much. The only guys that come to mind, um, you know, Randy Orton beat him in like a gimmick match. Same thing with Sheamus. I'm talking about beat him, you know, pinch John Cena clean. One, two, three in the middle of the ring. Standard singles match. No fatal four ways. No gimmick matches. A standard singles matchup. The only people that come to mind are mostly babyfaces. Batista from SummerSlam 08, Triple H from Night of Champions 08, The Rock from WrestleMania 28, Daniel Bryan from SummerSlam 2013. I don't know how I forgot him initially, but um, Brock Lesnar from last year's SummerSlam. And other than Brock Lesnar, I can't think of many other heels, any other heels at all, that have beaten John Cena clean one, two, three in the middle of that ring without him being injured or without any interference or a crappy finish or whatever. So for Kevin Owens, and much less on his first night in, I, I keep on stressing that, but I love it. I loved it. I thought it was a great finish. I was pleasantly surprised by that. Love the matchup. If you didn't watch it, go back and watch it. Um, it's well worth you know the nine ninety nine or whatever you have to pay. I mean, I think it's, again, like I said before, I think it's free um, for the month of June again, but absolutely stellar stuff. You know, two thumbs up to both Owens and and John Cena for putting on one hell of a performance. Cannot wait for the rematch in a couple weeks in Money in the Bank. So there was that. And uh, I know we are quickly coming to a close here on the show. We have about 15 or so minutes left here on the show. So I don't want to spend too much time talking about the ending of the show. Um, about Elimination Chamber. I do want to get into Raw a little bit. And the Austin and Heyman podcast from last night after Raw. But the main event of Elimination Chamber for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship, Seth Rollins defending against Dean Ambrose. And I tweeted this at the time. I'm still saying it now. I'm still saying it now. Rollins versus Ambrose is quickly becoming my favorite feud in WWE history. 
You know, I made no bones about it. My favorite feud as a fan since I started watching back in 2008 has been Christian versus Randy Orton. Cena and Punk is on like a different level. Probably Cena Punk, but I don't know. Just something about the Orton Christian feud was, you know, I love the matches. I love the way that it played out. Not the best booking throughout, but there was just something about that feud that intrigued me for the entire, you know, for that, that full six months of 2011 that I just absolutely was. Um, captivated by. So that's easily my favorite feud of all time that I've been a fan for, along with, you know, Triple H and uh, Triple H and Shawn Michaels from 02 to 04. That's my favorite feud of all time, not counting the time that I've been a wrestling fan for. Um, but other than that, though, I think Ambrose versus Rollins is, like I said, quickly becoming my favorite feud after all the history these two have had since they arrived in WWE together at Survivor Series 2012. The breakup, the subsequent feud, the rekindling of the rivalry just recently over the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. I love it. And these two never cease to have a great match. And this matchup was no exception. Love the matchup. They produced another quality contest. I was not sitting on the edge of my seat as I was for every pinfall like I was for Owens and Cena. But that's not a detriment to them. That's more so because it was so late in the show. The crowd wasn't really into it that much. So it was kind of... You know, it was not their fault. But still, down the stretch, though, you know, in, in the final few minutes or so, I was definitely intrigued by it. It was a great match, but it wasn't really all that suspenseful until the ending. And I was just blown away by the finish when Dean Ambrose, I think he didn't roll up Rollins, but he hit the dirty deeds on him. The referee comes down and makes the one, two, three. And once he hit the three count, I was shocked. I'm like, wow, he actually won. Dean Ambrose is the new champion. And it kind of took a second to uh, finally, you know, it, it took a second for it to finally sink in. This guy was becoming the champion. And then, of course, the other shoe dropped. It was the the decision was reversed. It became a dusty finish. You know, Rollins got himself DQ'd. Ambrose won the match. It's not the title. Your typical dusty finish. But I thought it was great. A lot of people were not happy with it. As a fan, am I pissed? Sure. But as like a, as a wrestling mind, as a booker, I guess you could say, um, as, you know, from uh, I mean, this all kind of goes back to about a year ago. A year ago, exactly when the Shield broke up. Did I hate the Shield breaking up as a fan? Sure, it was like the worst thing I've seen all year, aside from the streak breaking, um, you know, being broken. But as, um, you know, as a wrestling mind, I don't know what the exact term to say is. I'm not a booker. I'm not like a, a mind for the business, whatever. But you know what I mean, though, like kind of stepping out of the, you know, looking at, at out, outside of the box kind of thing. It was a brilliant booking decision in the long run, but it was also a shocking moment. And um, I feel like that's what we got here with this matchup with Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins. I don't know where I was going with that. I completely lost my train of thought. But yeah, I thought this matchup was great. And just going back to the finish too, that I, I thought it was, I mean, like, and this is where I was going with it, that people were pissed with the non-finish, the reverse, all the finish, whatever. It builds to a rematch of the next pay-per-view. Ambrose is doing the whole thing where he steals the title and he's going to be holding on to it. He's going to be holding possession of it until the pay-per-view where it will be defended in a ladder match, which I am very much looking forward to. And mind you, this feud started in that Money in the Bank ladder match last year. And every, well, I mean, technically it started a year ago today when the Shield broke up. But you know what I mean, though. So, you know, I, I thought that was great. Love the finish of the show. I mean, not everyone's cup of tea. I thought the match was really good. The finish, you know, furthered the feud, keeps the belt on Rollins, and it's a win-win-win situation. So I thought it was awesome. The show on the whole, not going to call it great. I didn't think it was as great as Payback overall. Um, you know, uh, Cena versus Owens blew anything on that Payback pay-per-view out of the water. But still, I thought this matchup, you know, the show on the whole was enjoyable. Not a great show, just if only because if the two chamber matches delivered, then I would be a little bit more 
um, lenient on it. I would be a little bit more positive about the pay-per-view. But those matches, the tag team one was okay. Um, I thought it was good at seven points and not just not great. And then the Intercontinental title one was just disappointing. Love the result, just not a fan of the matchup itself. I thought it was one of the worst chamber matches in history. Other than that, though, I thought in, in addition to the Divas title match was not good at all either. Not their fault, just... Uh, just they, it just didn't gel. They didn't have enough chemistry. Didn't have enough time. Um, just want to. It wasn't a fan of the Divas match. But yeah, on the whole, though, I enjoyed the show. Thought it was good. And the two matches going out of out of your way to see easily the main event and Owens versus Cena. Owens versus Cena a hundred times over. If you did not watch this show, so I enjoyed it. I thought it was a nice little prelude to Monday Night Raw. Um, the very next night. So speaking of such, Raw was pretty much devoted to building to Money in the Bank, and I won't spend I won't spend too much time on this because we don't have much time left as it is, and I don't want to spend, you know, an hour talking about Raw because there's really not much to discuss. And again, I don't think it was a I didn't think it was a great show. I didn't even enjoy it that much as I I thought it should have been a hotter show. But that said, though, the the goal of this show should have been to hype the hell at the Money in the Bank pay-per-view, in which I thought they did that, because the Money in the Bank pay-per-view is in less than two weeks, you know, as of right now, with the with the paper, with Chamber being added at the last minute, that kind of threw a wrench in their plans, or made them better, from what I've read, um, and kind of makes them more mo- motivated to book, you know, shows and stuff, but with the pay-per-view every two to three weeks, yeah, you, know, you really need to speed up the, 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 the building process to all these matches and getting them confirmed and stuff. So, so far, the Money in the Bank pay-per-view lineup, as of last night, is as follows for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship, a ladder match between Dean Ambrose and the defending champion Seth Rollins. We have John Cena versus Kevin Owens Part 2. And we also have in the Money in the Bank ladder match, we have Randy Orton, Roman Reigns, Kofi Kingston, Dolph Ziggler, Sheamus, and Neville. So a great star-studded cast. And the whole thing uh, with Roman Reigns, uh, that was pretty much the main story on this show of him trying to earn his place in the Money in the Bank ladder match. I get that people will see that, oh, he earned his place. He deserves to be in that matchup. What about Dolph Ziggler? What about Sheamus? I like both of those guys, but basically you're rewarding them after losing the chamber match. Oh, it's okay. You can lose the chamber match. We'll reward you by losing uh, with, with a shot at a future, potentially a future WWE World Heavyweight title match. You know what I mean? It doesn't make any sense in storyline. Neville, I could see being in there. Ziggler and Sheamus don't make much sense from a storyline standpoint. Where the hell has Randy Orton been? You know, the guy's been off TV for two weeks. I figured he'd be back in time for Marty in the Bank. And it's fine that he took time off if he wasn't going to be at the Chamber. But when he returned last night on Raw, they didn't even bother to explain where he's been. You know, it's not like he's uh, he's an occasional player, like he's on every other show. No, he's been on Raw every single week since he came back. He's one of the top faces in the company. And he's a regular fixture on Raw. To have him not show up for two weeks kind of confuses regular viewers. It's like watching, I don't know, any other TV show where the main character doesn't show up for two weeks and they don't bother explaining it when he comes back. That's something I never understood. And that kind of irked me a little bit while watching Raw last night. But other than that, though, um, yeah, I thought it was a solid show. A lot of good stuff going into Money in the Bank. I thought the face-off between John Cena and Kevin Owens was really good. Unfortunately, we got the uh, confrontation, we got the return of the big show on this show, calling out Ryback and saying that he wants his Intercontinental Championship. No thank you. The match itself, the feud, I'm not really that down on. I think it's fine, because like I said earlier in the podcast, at least it's something new. You know, it's not Ryback versus, or it's not Big Show versus Cena, 
or versus Orton or versus Sheamus or something we've seen a million times, or Roman Reigns, God forbid. You know, at least it's something we have not seen before. So for that much, I I, I commend it. I'm I'm okay with it. I'm not you know overly high on the idea of Big Show being back, but at least it's something different. I will say that much. As for the rest of the show, I thought it was fine and dandy. The Bell Twins heel turn I thought was total garbage. You know, the Bell Twins I don't really mind as much as they once did. Nikki's come a long way. Brie Bell has improved. But the Twin Magic shit is, is, is so 2008. It's so seven years ago. The fact they turned them babyface for all of a month to feud with Naomi and only to turn them back heel again made absolutely no sense. And I said it last night on Twitter. Fire Vince from writing the Divas or whoever's writing the Divas division. Let Triple H do it and just have him work his magic. You know, if the, if, the, if the stuff with the NXT women has been any indication, this guy knows. He has a mind for women's wrestling. He knows what works. He knows what doesn't work. Turning people every other month. You know, having Naomi, you know, get on this uh, this hot streak. You know, revamp her character. Do really well in this role. Only, only to have her lose at the pay-per-view and then not even show up on this show. They're just so inconsistent with these women. And I don't blame them, I just more so blame the booking, and that goes without saying, but I just, I don't get it, I thought that was stupid, but, and I know the crea- some creative writer, I think his name was Kevin Eck, um, he went, to, you know, he was talking about on his blog or something like that, not too long ago, that when he was, when he was writing there, he was instructed that there really are no baby faces, and there really are no heels in the, D- in the, in the Divas division, there's just women, you know, that's, that's, terrible that's so that that was so disheartening to read that Vince cares so little of the divas division that he doesn't even bother giving them proper character development you know not even establishing proper roles for them as fan favorites or heels or whatever it's ridiculous so that happened on raw I was not a fan of that and that was pretty much raw in a nutshell you know the whole Roman Reigns thing earning his way in the money to make a ladder match already ranted on that a little bit I mean, I thought that was fine. It's pretty much a foregone conclusion that he wins the briefcase. But I don't know if it's going to help his popularity at all. I think he's kind of getting over a little bit more with that, with the with the IWC, whatever you want to call them, the hardcore fans. After all the heat that he got coming out of the Royal Rumble, he kind of silenced those critics a little bit. You know, after his great performances at Fastlane, WrestleMania, Extreme Rules, and Payback. So, you know, that that's that really didn't bother me too, too much. But it was the fact that, you know, having him beat King Barrett, a guy who I said before has, excuse me, has been so underutilized for so, so long, and then to beat Mark Henry, whose heel turn I could not care less about. I like Mark Henry, but to have him turn three or four times in the matter of a freaking six-month time period is, is ridiculous. No one cares. It's so stupid. And then he beats Bray Wyatt in the main event, one of Bray Wyatt's very few losses on Monday Night Raw via pinfall in singles action, it's not going to, excuse me, it's not going to turn those, um, those hardcore fans against him, it's not going to turn them in his, in his favor, I should say, to have him beat people that, um, that they like, I guess, or to have him win three matches in one night, overcome the authority, blah, 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 it's such super scene of booking, having him run the gauntlet on Raw, and then maybe on SmackDown, or just to do it in one night, and have him win, much less, was was dumb. I, I feel for the guy, because if people start booing him after this, unless that's the direction they're going in, unless they have Ambrose win the championship and Roman Reigns cashes in or something, I think that would be awesome. That would be so awesome if they could do a heel Roman Reigns as champion 
versus Dean Ambrose, a babyface champion, a babyface challenger, going into SummerSlam. And meanwhile, on that pay-per-view, you do Rollins and Brock Lesnar. That would be freaking awesome. You know, something like that. But we'll see how they book it. Um, I feel like they'll just have Roman Reigns win the ladder match. That goes without saying. They'll have him win the ladder match, cash in against Rollins in the same fashion they did. This wasn't my idea. This was RJ's. And I thought, um, at RJ underscore Marceau on the Twitter, he mentioned this months ago. I just thought it was interesting that it might be finally coming to fruition, unfortunately, that Roman Reigns could cash in the briefcase the same way that Rollins did. I get the storytelling. I think it's good. But unless the plan is to turn Reigns heel, it's not going to work, I don't think. But I'm looking forward to it, though. Any, you know, All of this aside, my, my nitpicking of WWE programming, I think overall it's been doing very well. I'm very intrigued. I'm always excited for what's up next, for Raw next week, the next pay-per-view, etc., etc. But I think what they've been doing the last couple, since WrestleMania pretty much, has been great. And I'm very much you know excited for the summer season in WWE. As I mentioned before, cheap plug, my Bleach Report article, my latest piece, breaks down the next you know, seven matches that we could see at SummerSlam this August, where it will be in attendance. I'm looking forward to that. Should be awesome. And what else? What was it? Well, you know, just wrestling in general. I think wrestling in general right now is flourishing. I think it's in a great state. I'm looking forward to it. And um, with everything going on with Ring of Honor and Lucha Underground and NXT and TNA, from, my, uh, from a product standpoint... There's so much to be excited about in wrestling, so I'm, I'm looking forward to what should be one hell of a summer. But before we go off the air, I do want to give my brief thoughts on the Austin and Heyman podcast. Nothing too much to, you know, write home about. I thought it was an enjoyable podcast, nothing amazing, but just the chemistry these two have, and I commend Stone Cold for not asking similar questions. I mean, it was kind of hard, you know, for those people that have already listened to his interviews with Heyman before. He said him on his podcast at least two or three times. Um, before they've had, he's had him on, you know, a, a number of times back in 2014 on uh, at podcast1.com, or you can download it. I listen to it every week. It's a great podcast. But yeah, they kind of told some stories they haven't before. They talked a little bit about uh, about CM Punk and his upcoming UFC career, uh, Brock Lesnar being a special attraction, all the basic questions you would think would be asked, and, until you get the to the final few minutes where Heyman brings up, can I ask you a question? And Austin says, sure. He asked them, will you wrestle one more match? Will you face Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania 32? The million-dollar question we all want to know the answer to. And Austin, basically, from that point forward, he was either in shoot mode or it was scripted. I don't know, but whatever it was, whether you think it was scripted or it was a complete shoot or whatever it was, it was awesome. It was intense, and I loved it. I thought it was great. And it was enough. It succeeded in what it set out to do and getting people talking. You know, the rest of this podcast was nothing like as as groundbreaking as the podcast that Austin did with Triple H and uh, Vince McMahon a number of months ago. He and Jericho have two very different interviewing styles. I love them both for that. I think Jericho is a little bit more conversational. That's what Austin had on the show as well. It wasn't as much of an interview. It wasn't as much of an interview as it was you know, a, a basic conversation, an all-time conversation between two longtime friends. So that's what I enjoyed about it. But you get to those final few minutes, and it gives the viewers something to buzz about, something to talk about. And, you know, oh, did you miss the Austin podcast? Did you hear about this? Did you hear what he had to say about Brock Lesnar? Go back and check it out. I might just have to. Um, you know, I think that's pretty cool. Could it be leading to something? Did he talk about WrestleMania 32? That sounds awesome. I'll go sign up for the network right now. You know, stuff like that. 
even if it was a shoot or if it was, you know, a scripted, that's probably what it set out to do. And it succeeded. People are buzzing about that on Twitter all of last night and all of Tuesday morning. I thought it was great. In a in a perfect world, do we see Austin versus Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania 32? At this point in time, I don't think so. I would love to be proved wrong. I was proved wrong when Lesnar resigned with WWE earlier this year. I was proved wrong when Samoa Joe signed with WWE earlier this year. So anything can happen. Anything is possible. Never say never in the wrestling industry, much less WWE. Because it's true. Anything can happen. So I'm looking forward to um, what happens with Austin and Lesnar. Come WrestleMania 32. Whether if he doesn't wrestle him, whether he wrestles the match or not is uncertain. I think if there's any place for him to do it, it's next year. If it doesn't happen next year, it's not happening at all. You know, if it's not going to happen in AT&T Stadium, in Arlington, Texas, in Austin's, you know, backyard, it's not going to happen at all. So I'm looking forward to whether these rumors and the speculation of him versus Lesnar at WrestleMania come to fruition because that would be the money match that would draw people in. You throw, you put that on the card along with a Shield triple threat or Undertaker versus Sting or John Cena versus, I don't know, God knows who, um, something like that. You have yourself a money WrestleMania, and that's going to pack in 100,000 people into that AT&T Stadium. But that's going to do it for WrestleRant Radio here today. As always, folks, thank you for listening. I always appreciate it. But in the meantime, and in between time, you guys can catch me on Facebook, Twitter, and um, elsewhere. On Facebook, I am at facebook.com backslash graham.gsm.matthews. On Twitter, at WrestleRant. Make sure to check out the YouTube channel. I am youtube.com backslash c backslash graham.gsm.matthews. On the channel, you'll find Q&A videos, WrestleRant videos, where I give my in-depth analysis of all the content that I watch in the WWE Network random rambling video blogs, WrestleRant Radio excerpts, excerpts of this very show. And also be sure to check out NextAirWrestling.net, the only place where you can listen to this very show, other than YouTube, of course, in the excerpts, the only place you can listen to WrestleRant Radio in full, right here, NextAirWrestling.net. Full written reviews of Raw, SmackDown, Lucha Underground, Main Event, and soon-to-be Ring of Honor starting tomorrow, so I'm very much looking forward to that. But also, like I said before, uh, full written reviews, but of Monday Night Raw, it will be live going forward. I made that announcement, I think maybe last week. I also said on the Facebook page last week as well. Whenever I get the chance, I will be doing live live you know coverage of the Raw shows, pay-per-views. I did it for Elimination Chamber on Sunday. Basically, whenever I can, I probably won't be able to do it for TNA. Maybe. I'm not exactly sure. I did it for TNA last week. Um, it depends. I'm not. I'm not exactly sure. Sometimes for SmackDown, so be on the lookout for that live coverage. Just go to nextdaywrestling.weebly.com or nextdaywrestling.net. I'm so used to saying .weebly.com. That link works too, but I think .net is easier. Anyway, you can um, just go to the website at the start of any wrestling show, whether it be Raw, Pay Per View, SmackDown, TNA, whatever, and see if I'm doing a live coverage. I'll have a, you know, a thumbnail of the show on the front page, and I might be doing live coverage. So stay tuned for that. It's exciting stuff. This whole summer is shaping up to be awesome. This Sunday, I will be at Legends of Wrestling City Field, New York City. It's going to be great. Ric Flair is going to be there. Bret Hart, Goldberg, Rob Van Dam. The list goes on and on and on. So if you will be there, like I said before, shout me out on social media, Facebook, Graham Houston Matthews, on Twitter at WrestleRant. Always appreciate the support, guys. Thank you once again for the birthday wishes. It's awesome. You guys are awesome. Have a great week, and I'll catch you guys next Tuesday.
Podcasts.